So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Here's the problem with physical therapy profession. You're only relying on physicians and insurance companies to dictate your treatment. You're not actually relying on your critical thinking ability and skill that you learn in PD school. That's why we went to school is to learn how to be critical thinkers. The big problem is you don't want responsibility. So you let other people determine the outcome, not just for your patients, but for yourself and your life. Hey, what's up? My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer. This is the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. When I started treating patients, um, it was back in 1999, I was a massage therapist. And for too many years, I heard people tell me, Aaron, you're the first person to touch me where I hurt. You, I've been to see physicians, uh, chiropractors, uh, acupuncturists, massage therapists. I've been to see multiple physical therapists. I've done the physical therapy, you know, et cetera. Um, and you're the first person to touch me where I hurt. And we're talking like trapezius, suboccipitals, hamstrings, quads, infraspinatus. I mean, we're not talking like muscles that are really difficult. Like people are like, oh, I had this knee surgery. I was like, I do a test. So did your physician ever test? No, never tested to see if the ligaments were good. I mean, nothing. So I went back to PT school. In my first clinical rotation, I saw 43 patients one day. And I knew then that I had to start a practice and charge cash and not use insurance because people were already paying me $85 an hour. There's no way I was going to graduate as a PT and work for someone else and have them. And they weren't going to pay me to treat patients the way I wanted to treat. And just like I knew they wouldn't do that. I knew I was going to have to see two to four people an hour, especially in order to make the salary that I expected. Like I didn't go into PT knowing, okay, I only make X amount of salary. or I'm, I didn't look at it that way. I went in because I knew it was a better way to help the patients that were coming to see me. And I went into business coaching because I knew it was a better way to help more than just the 25 people I'm willing to treat a week. I can help, if I can help thousands of physical therapists, I can help tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, hopefully millions of patients. So this is what really is a little bit of a rant today, but I, hopefully it's a lesson in wake up call for some of you. Um, there was a post in the doctor of physical therapy students group. Like I love and hate this group. It's great. <laughs> There's so many good things and so many horrible things about it at the same time. It's a great, like, I want to say Petri dish. That's not the right word. It's a great, like, proving ground for ideas and the pulse of the profession. Okay, there was a question. It was like outpatient question. When you have a patient with two referrals from different physicians, different diagnoses, but want to be treated for both things at the same time, do you do two separate evals, two separate plans of care, or lump everything together? And if so, who signs the plan of care? And I saw that come up in my feed. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Aaron needs to spill a little knowledge in the group. I mean, so there's a little bit of an ego thing. It was like, hey, Aaron wants people to, you know, but you know what? Screw that. Like I came into this profession after having been a massage therapist for eight years. And I was in PT school with students who didn't know any better. And I had a professor say, hey, all patients need, she was teaching us pivots and pavums. All patients need are 30, 45 seconds of hands-on care. And I was like, 
raised my hand. I didn't wait for her to call me. I was like, I disagree completely because I've made a career as a massage therapist on patients that were never touched. People come to me and they're touched for 45 minutes to an hour, even some 90 minutes. And they pay me in cash, $85 for that because they've been to PTs that have not touched them where they hurt. So I was like, you know, I just want everyone here to know that there's another side of that story. And there is. So here's the, I'm going to read this again. Outpatient question. When you have a patient with two referrals from different physicians, different diagnoses, but want to be treated for both things at the same session, do you do two separate evals, two separate plans of care, or lump everything together? And if so, who signs the plan of care? So think about how would you answer this? Here's my, my answer. Treat the patient, not the diagnosis or the referral. Don't let insurance or MDs dictate your recommended plan of care. So then someone replied, and if you want to read this, you can go see it on my Instagram story. It's one of my reels. It's just a screenshot reel. It's got a little green thing. It says, this mindset is why 99% of physical therapists struggle to make the money their degree should command. So here's the answer. And I'm not just calling out the one person. Like there were, as of 30 minutes ago, 31 people that liked this answer and only like six that liked my comment. All right. I'm not saying that more people should like my comment. I'm saying more people don't understand my comment and more people are being brainwashed <laughs> that we need to treat patients based on the diagnosis and what insurance will pay rather than what the patient wants. So here's the reply to my comment. Aaron, that is a great that is great in theory, but unfortunately for a lot of clinics and companies, reimbursement is driven by insurance and to get paid, there needs to be compliance with that insurance company and the plan of care associated with it. I I don't disagree, but I do not agree that that is the way we as doctors of physical therapy should be thinking about this or operating. I completely disagree. Like, who the fuck cares? Like, you've got a person in front of you that's got a neck issue and a shoulder issue. We're not doing two evaluations. Even if they have a shoulder and a, and a hip issue, they could both be coming from the same problem. They could both be coming from a thoracic spine rotation issue whether it's a mobility or instability issue or something else. It should be coming from a big toe problem. Like I've seen crazy things. Like I've treated patients for 22 years. I've seen some crazy shit. Like I'll work on something and they're like, oh, my other thing is better. Like, I don't know what you did. I'm like, I don't know what I did either. Here's the problem. We're treating this patient or our patients based on the referral someone else gave, but not on the plan of care I decided on. Look, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I'm the one that makes the plan of care for my patient based on the patient's input. If a physician refers someone to me, great. They don't have the same evaluation skills that I have. They don't have the same hands-on skills that I have. I'll follow their recommendations based on maybe a surgical procedure or a medical condition that the person has, but I'm creating the plan of care. Doctor, surgeon isn't creating the physical therapy plan of care for my patient. That's for me to decide. And that's the problem. Okay, so here's the dichotomy. When I joined the PT profession, it was Vision 2020, and you know we're well past that. But Vision 2020 was autonomous practitioners. But everything in practice that the APTA did was teach us how to follow orders, in air quotes, follow orders of the referring physician. And the way it's set up now is we have to get a signed plan of care. Like, to me, a signed plan of care is just an administrative check mark. Like, I don't really care what the physician thinks. Actually, in my practice, I don't have to get assigned plan of care because it's a cash-based practice. I can do whatever the fuck I want within the confines of the law, that is. But my patient and I decide that talking about their problem is a solution, great. If we decide that hot packs is the solution, 
cool. I don't have hot packs, so I'll recommend they go to Amazon and buy one, you know, and I'll educate them on how, uh, the cold, you know, they can get hurt or injured if they, you know, but the burn, the cold is probably going to burn their skin more than the heat. If someone wants ultrasound, cool. I'll probably won't do ultrasound cause we don't have an ultrasound machine. But if we decide on a plan of care, you know, I'm going to execute it with the patient based on their input. I'm not going to call the referring physician and be like, well, tell me what to do because you may as well just be a tech and that's doesn't command a high salary. Okay. So this is exactly why I don't buy into that model because I'm here to do what's right for patients because I saw patients as a massage therapist who's, who were not being treated as a person. They were being treated as body parts. Even in one of my other clinical rotations, it was like, how many shoulders did you treat today? I don't care how many sh shoulders you treated today. You treated people and they have names. Your patients have names. So if you own a cash practice, you're probably listening to this and you're like, yeah, you're like Aaron's on a soapbox and I've heard this before thought, but maybe you've stumbled across in this podcast and you're thinking about a cash practice. You're still working for someone else. Or maybe you're a student, new grad, and no one's been talking to you about this stuff. Like what you need to understand, the person sitting in front of you is struggling and you need to help that person. And if helping that person means recommending a treatment plan that their insurance doesn't cover, you better recommend that treatment plan and follow through with it and let your boss referring physician whoever else get mad at you and tell them look the patient didn't need that the patient needed this and stick to your guns about it make a decision and follow through with it you know is that patient going to get mad at you later on where they're like well you know what you helped me run a 5k again in the fastest time ever but my insurance billed me an extra 200 bucks like you know come on and if you get reprimanded at work because you get your patients better, faster than the prescription, in air quotes, like Tyler, who um, was our second cash PT resident, he got reprimanded for getting someone better in four visits instead of the eight. <laughs> He's like, but they don't need to come see me anymore. Then you need to find another job or stick up for the patient. Okay, um, there's there've been a couple instances in my life where I'm working in a, in a group where I had nothing to lose. Okay, so one of them was, I did my clinical rotation at Duke University Hospital, and I was on the oncology floor, and Mary Lutz was my CI, and she was amazing. And you know, Mary is like five foot two, or maybe, you know, five foot one, I don't know, I can't remember. Um, and Aaron LeBauer is six foot three, and I'm in the hospital, and if you know me, I don't normally dress in a tie, but, you know, I need to wear a tie. I had to wear a white coat. Well, I'm not going to go buy it. We didn't have to buy white coats for school at Elon. So where was I going to get one? My dad's a retired cardiologist. So I just went to borrowed a couple of his and put my name tag over where his name was, you know, sewn in. So I have a long white coat, but I'm also, you know, six foot three. So if I had a short one and it looked like I was wearing a pea coat, you know, like a, like a short jacket, like that didn't feel right to me either. Like I grew up around physicians, right? Like my dad, I'm going on a little train of, uh, what's it called? Alternate track here, but hold on a second. My dad um, has been a physician for a long time. And where did I learn how to treat patients first? Insurance second from my dad. He learned it from Eugene Stead, his uh, mentor. You know, treat the person, not the diagnosis, not the condition. So, so I'm working in the hospital. And there were plenty of times where I'd walk in the room, people were like, oh, you're my doctor? I'm like, hi. I am Aaron, your physical therapist, <laughs> right? 
I was a student. If I was graduated, I'd be like, yes, I'm Dr. LeBauer. I'm your physical therapist. Here's what I'm going to do today. Like, I have no problem with that. So many of you do. <laughs> Just drop, drop the ego part of that. Like, you're a doctor. If you're not, it's okay. That's how you have to think. Like, who cares? You got a master's degree, bachelor's degree. Like, Mary Lutz, my CI, she had a bachelor's degree. Whatever. She could still make decisions. So what, what happens? So I have nothing to lose, right? I'm treating a patient. And she was a, uh, you know, in, you know, chemotherapy, radiation, and she was in the hospital because her vital signs and blood counts and all her things are like way low and she couldn't be at home. And the, um, caseworker on the floor was like, she needs to go, she needs to go home. We can't keep her here at the hospital, but no long-term care facility would take her. And this person's partner, um, who had no say in it because they weren't legally married, um, had to work. And couldn't be at home with her, right? So what happens is I'm like, you need to send her. To, you need to keep her here or send her to long-term care. They're like, well, that's not what the physician wrote. I'm like, I don't care what the physician wrote. This person, this patient, is dangerous to stand up and use the bathroom by herself. She's going to fall. She's a fall risk. Like, you cannot send her home. So guess what happens? They send the patient home over the on Friday or Saturday, maybe, like when I wasn't there. I come back Monday. I'm like, where's Miss So-and-so? Oh, she's, she went home. I was like, great. Guess what happened Tuesday? She was back. Guess why? She fell. Duh. Right? So I went and talked to the social worker. I was like, look, I told you this was going to happen because she didn't have anyone at home to help her. She needs to be here or discharge to long-term care or skilled nursing or something like that. Three or four other nurses and um, physical therapists and occupational therapists came up to me and said, thank you for standing up to her. I'm just like, why haven't you stood up to her? Well, look, I didn't work there, you know, so they were going to have to stand up to her and stay, keep working there and have an awkward, you know, interaction because they were afraid of confrontation. But I had nothing to lose because I, you know, and I stood up to her but because that's what's right for the patient, not because I wanted to stand up to someone. It's because it wasn't right for the patient. Are you willing to stand up for your patients? Even when someone's going to say you're wrong or I don't agree with you, or maybe your job, your salary, or your referrals are at jeopardy. Are you willing to do that? That's exactly why I don't market to physicians and we're not in insurance networks. Because if I stand up to a physician and say, I disagree, or if I tell a patient, like, I disagree with this assessment, and they tell the physician, the physician's like, well, I'm never sending patients to Aaron again. Well, you know what? They're not sending patients to me in the first place. I got nothing to lose by doing what's right for my patients. And so maybe you're in a shitty job and you're not making enough money, and you got a lot to lose. I mean, look, 99% of physical therapists struggle to earn the money their degree should command. Like, you're a doctor of physical therapy. Your degree should easily command six figures, if not multiple six figures, $250,000 a year. Because we both know that what you do saves insurance and Medicare and hospitals money, because if people only saw you first for physical therapy, there'd be less people getting surgery, there'd be less people falling, there'd be less people over the age of 75 dying after they had fractured their hip, acetabulum, femur, femoral neck, etc. A lot less would happen if they only saw us first. We know that there's research that when you go to the emergency room with pain and you see a physical therapist first, the hospital saves money and people get better faster. They should be seeing us. And because we get people better faster and save money, we should be making more. But we earn based on what we can get reimbursed for. And if we can't get reimbursed for something, why would I do it? Because I can't justify my salary to my employer because I'm not billing enough units. Fuck that. That's stupid. <laughs> 
but continue to participate in that is why you're not commanding the money that your education deserves because insurance reimbursement is going down every year, every year. There's no way to make, get a raise. I've got platinum mastermind, uh, member Jane O'Brien known Jane for 25 years, 20, no, 22 years. Since I, first year I was doing uh, massage, I went to an MFR class and met Jane. Jane had a big practice in network practice in Tahoe. Well, I mean, Jane is a little older than me and I'm 49. I've only been in the profession for 13 years. Jane's been in it for over 20. And she got to a point in her career where they shut down her business because when the economy, I think it was the economy crashed in 2000, I want to say 2008, or maybe it was a dot-com crash in early 2000s. Like they just, business in Tahoe, like the PT and the all the insurance, stuff, it just didn't work. And then they ended up moving to the East Coast, right? And things didn't work out. She was working for someone else. And she's like, gosh, I've been in this industry for 20 something years. Like I can't make any more money. I don't know if she said this or one of my other clients that says, I'm no young spring chicken anymore. And it's like, yeah. So, okay, you've been in, you've been a PT for 10 years or 20 years or more. You can't command a higher salary just because you've been in the, in the industry longer because your license bills at the same rate to insurance companies, whether you're two months out of PT school or 25 years out of PT school. So what did Jane do? She said, you know what? I'm going to start my own business. And she's in Maryland now and she's got, she's crushing it, making over 20K a week. And at 20k a month, working for working for herself, seeing her 25 or so patients a week. She's hired on some other people, and she's working less than she did when she was working in like a PT mill somewhere, making a whole lot more, well over 2x more. Okay, so what are you gonna do? Like you're faced with like retire, get a job as a uh, dental like. Um, my friend, one of my classmates, Rob Bertolic, start, you know, was like, this is ridiculous in PT. And he went and got a job doing medical sales in uh, the dental industry. Makes more than twice as much in half the time. 99% of physical therapists struggle to earn the money their degree should command. Most people are struggling to pay off their student loans. Like, well, I'll just, I'm going to wait to start my business to pay my, you know, so I can pay my student loans first. It's the wrong thinking. Let me just tell you this. If you can make a life-changing transformation for your patients, you deserve to be compensated for it. I just got off a call with one of our brand new Platinum Mastermind members, Pauline. And she was telling me about a uh, patient she had who, um, prior to coming to see her, was struggling you know, with a, some kind of back injury and couldn't play basketball. And now they're through the injury and able to go play college basketball. And I was like, had they, not, had they seen you um, had they not seen you, would they have been able to play college basketball? She's like, no, probably not. Like maybe not phys you know, like, but they came to see her, you know, and the parents got their child in to see her. And I was like, do you think that that parent would pay $5,000 if they knew if you could snap your fingers and guarantee that their child could play college basketball? She's like, absolutely. No hesitation. Do you think they could, you know, they'd pay 2000? Yeah, of course. Okay. So that's the mindset that you need to start thinking about is who's this person in front of me and what is it they really want? And if I can give them that in a snap of the fingers, would they pay 2000? Yeah. Okay, great. You know what, Mrs. Jones, this is going to take some hard work. Um, but the rewards are worth it. The payoff's worth it because I can pretty much guarantee you, you do this work and we're going to give you the best possible shot at, at your kid playing basketball or at you running a 5k again, you know, and I can guarantee you you're, not going to get a hospital-born infection going to physical therapy. Like, I don't tell patients that, but look, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. 
If you can make a life-changing transformation for your patient, you deserve to be compensated for it. You just have to, you know, ask for a fair compensation for the plan of care. Okay? Treat the patient that's right in front of you. Treat the person that's in front of you. Do not treat the diagnosis or the referral. Don't treat what's on paper. God forbid, don't give someone two evaluations for two different body parts. Like, evaluate the whole fucking person, right? This is the wrong thing. Like, 30-something people think that you should treat, you know, do two evals on this person. Talk about playing games. That's ridiculous. Stop being afraid of making waves and rocking the boat. Stick to your ethics and morals. My ethics and morals tell me that doing two evals, one for each body part, is completely wrong. That's not how I want to be treated when I go to the hospital or to physical therapy. I want you to look at everything once and tell me why is this all happening together and make a plan for me. Stand up for what you think is right. So many people aren't standing up for what they think is right. Start making decisions and recommendations that are what is in the best interest of your patient or customer. That's what a real doctor does. Fuck insurance companies. Fuck them. Don't let them determine what you do. Stop. Let the reimbursement be the icing on the cake. What you do doesn't cost that much anyways. In the grand scheme of things, it's absolutely worth it, especially if you can focus 100% on this person and get them better. It's your job as a physical therapist. Your number one job is to do what's right for the patient or client. My number one job as a business coach is to do what's right for my coaching clients. Even if, you know, there's plenty of times where I could give them advice that would benefit me. Someone like uh, Brandon Smith or Jess Jenny who coach other physical therapists when I'm coaching them. I'm like, hey, look, this is what's best for you. I mean, there is an option in here that could be best for both of us, but I want you to do the thing that's best for you. Like, I'll present that option. And again, we could work together, but that may or may not be better for you. And, or plenty of times, like, that's not in your best interest. Your best interest is to sell your thing, not my thing. So there's two sides of it. So I can look at a patient and be like, yeah, you know, the best thing for me to do is to do this. Your insurance may not cover all of it, but this is exactly what you need. You know what? Look, people, this happens all the time. It's not like we're just determining, we're trying to figure out like, is the generic version of the medicine better than the regular version, the name brand, or there are two name brand versions and one's not covered and let's try the other one first. It's like, no, this is physical therapy. It's not like... It's not like riding a stationary bike is covered and the upper body ergometer isn't. <laughs> I mean, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing two evals on one person in two different visits and wasting their time because you can't do, you can't make a decision. You can't do critical thinking. I know you can do this, but you're unwilling to say, look, no, this is ridiculous. I'm going to do one eval. And if it doesn't get paid for whatever. You do one eval and, be, and just use the complicated eval thing and say, hey, look, there's five problems. I would recommend a 20-visit plan of care. I don't care if it's said three times a week for 12 weeks. My recommendation is one time a week for eight. And just write it out. Tell them what you think. Stand up for your patients. Be a real doctor. Do what's right. I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you grow your physical therapy business. Number one, grab a free copy of my book. It's the roadmap to launch, grow, and scale your physical therapy business. Just go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's cashptblueprintbook.com. Just cover shipping and we'll send it out to you ASAP. Number two, join our Cash PT Blueprint case study program. We're putting together a new coaching case study program this month. And if you'd like to work with me to launch, 
six-figure cash practice in just 90 days, send me a message over on Instagram. Find me at Aaron LeBauer on Instagram and send me a message with just the words blueprint. And we'll get back to you with all the details. Or number three, if you're an established PT business owner and you want to work directly with me and my team to take your business to multiple six and seven figures, just send me a message over on Instagram with the word private. And I'll get back to you with the details about that program too. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week on the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast.